Welcome to the Running Explained podcast. I'm Elizabeth, a marathoner, running coach, and answer seeker. When I became a new runner at the age of 29, I had so many questions, but it felt like I was on my own to figure out all of the answers. So now I'm here to answer all your running questions to help make you a better, smarter, faster runner. There's no question too simple and no topic too complex. So let's get started. Hello, all my friends out there. Welcome to the final episode of 2022. This year just honestly felt like it flew by. Every month just like it was faster and faster than the last one. I kind of honestly feel like it was just barely September and now it's practically the following year. So whatever your holiday plans are, were, have been, I hope that you are staying safe and spending time with family. I am this. Okay, so this episode is originally... I had this idea of doing kind of like a top things that I learned this year, like the coolest things that I learned this year, more like facts, like kind of, yeah, I learned this and I learned that. How cool is that? The problem is that the way that my brain works is that I don't remember when I learned something. I just know that I now know it. (laughs) So I don't know if necessarily something that I learned, I learned in September, or maybe I kind of always knew it it's like new information just kind of slots into my brain like it was always there which is a very cool thing as a coach and as an educator or somebody who's interested in learning and you know these that's very cool but it's very frustrating to kind of parse out and say yeah but when when did I learn this and who did I learn it from and if I learned the basics of it here when did I learn more about it there and so this episode is really going to be more of a Things that I learned this year, more reflections and things that I want to share with you as a coach and as a runner, because yeah, don't, I'm a runner too. Don't forget. And this has been an interesting year for me personally as a runner. I'm going to talk to you about it. Why? Before we get started, a couple quick wrap ups, obviously end of season two, end of 2022 season three starts, uh, next week. One of the big announcements for 2023 with the podcast is that episodes are now going to be available on YouTube in full length episodes for rewatching with absolutely terrible production values because I'm not a YouTuber. Do you know how much time it takes to edit videos? Oh my good Lord. But um, some people have been asking for that. And so, yeah, cool. Why not? I already do record video when my guests are, we do our recording sessions. Uh, so those are now going to be available on YouTube. Not, not backdated. Uh, that for now, um, it's only going to be future episodes. So starting next week, next year, literally the same thing. Episodes are going to be available on YouTube, which I'm excited about. Other big, exciting news, group registration, groups 2.0 now open. You can now register, enroll in group coaching starting today for your next half or full marathon on the timeline that you are running your race. So if you are getting ready to sign up for a spring race, eyeing a summer race, or thinking about a fall race, check out group coaching. It is five plus hours of video modules from me, Coach Elizabeth, educating you on your own pace with worksheets and downloads. It is either eight one hour or 10 one hour coaching calls, depending on whether you sign up for half or full marathon training. It is uh, community support, you get a training plan. It is tons of fun, tons of education. If you listen to this show, it's because you like to learn. You're going to learn a lot. 
I guarantee you're going to learn a whole bunch of stuff and help you run your best race. So, uh, so group coaching registration open now sign up. I hope to see your pretty faces by weekly coaching calls start Tuesday, January 3rd from 6 to 7 PM. And then are going to be every other week after that. Don't miss a single week. If you are training for training for a spring race, you probably have to start training soon. If you haven't started training already, yes, you can jump into the group. DM me or email me if you have any questions about that. If you've already started your training and want to join, we can make it happen. All right. What did I learn? Oh, man. So many personal and professional lessons this year. I really had the most amazing year, and I just want to thank you for being part of it, whether you are a listener, whether you worked with me, you work with one of my coaches, whether you were in our group coaching last year, or, just, or you bought a training plan, or you participated in the conversations. I am super grateful for you. Everybody who asks questions who wants to learn more helps me level up my game and learn more about being a coach, being in this space, being a better runner. The first thing that I want to reflect on this year, and this is something you've heard me say before. I'm going to say it again, um, over and over again, because it is a lesson that I think a lot of us say, oh yeah, 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 no, I get that. And then we have a real, we really struggle to apply it to our lives as individuals. And that is that stress is stress. And I did a whole episode on stress two years ago. We have talked about stress in many forms on this show, in the stuff that I do, that all stress counts. Your body has a finite ability to deal with stress. Yes, there is, you know, kind of good stress and bad stress. You stress and de-stress, stress, which kind of, you know, makes you level up and stress, which kind of breaks you down. But the long story short is that stress is stress and you only have a finite ability to deal with stress. And if you exceed your stress capacity in any way, it's going to impact other things in your life. And why does this matter as runners? When we are going through periods of life that are more stressful than others, our training, and I'm going to say this in a, in a way it's not supposed to be, I say detrimental, our training is going to suffer. What do I mean by this? You cannot perform at your best if you have allocated resources towards other areas in your life that require those resources as well. And I have seen this, and I, there's a reason I've been talking about this, right? I saw it during COVID stress, and I've seen it in my own life this past year, the stress of building this business, growing, changing, working a lot. I have noticed firsthand my ability to train is diminished during periods of high stress. And here's the thing, like many of you going through a period of life where I had a lot of stuff going on and I wasn't training the way I wanted to, wasn't performing the way I wanted to, was trying to get out, the, wasn't getting out the door as much as I wanted to. Here's, here's the very first thing that I said to myself, Elizabeth, you're just being lazy or you just don't want it bad enough or you just don't have the willpower. There's something you just need to, you need to buckle down. Here's the thing. That's typically our first reaction in training when something isn't going the way that we wanted to or expected to. We immediately tend to turn around and blame ourselves for what we perceive as a shortcoming or a failure. And I'm not going to deny that when we are going after big goals and trying to 
achieve big blocks of training. Yes, there is commitment, discipline, a level of accountability that is required of us. But there is a difference between that and saying, well, you're just, you know, you're just failing. The reason you're not running as much as you want to is because, you know, you're just being lazy or insert, you know, reason to blame myself. Because it's really hard to quantify that level of stress that is being exerted upon us that interferes with our ability to run or train the way we want to. And this could be anything from running as as frequently as we would desire to running as uh, long in duration, to running the kinds of workouts that we want to, to performing the way we're, uh, a way that we're expecting to perform in certain kinds of workouts. And I have worked, I had a number of athletes this year, unfortunately, encounter periods of high stress for a variety of reasons, you know, work-related, family-member-related, just a lot of stuff going on at the same time. And I saw it in their training. And there, I, there were a couple of instances, and if, hey, if you, one of my athletes, if you're listening to me, I'm about to describe you. You are not the only one who experienced this. I had a couple athletes this year who, you know, were training for a race. They had a workout on their calendar that, you know, challenging but doable, bombed it. Just bombed it, right? Hey, that happens. We've all bombed workouts. That happens. And then in the comments or in the aftermath of discussing the workout, oh, it turns out that oh, well, I haven't slept in two days because my kid was sick or, you know, oh, my mother-in-law died yesterday or, um, you know, these five things are all happening to me simultaneously that are impact, like that I can actually say, and don't you think that maybe that has some impact on how you were able to perform in your workout, right? That is a very clear cut example of, hey, guess what? This is life stress exerting its force on you and you not being able to perform the way that you want to or expect to for an extremely good reason. I think when we say, well, no wonder that workout was a struggle. Here's you've barely slept or you're experiencing grief and loss or any number of reasons as life happens, just the holidays, which are stressful. Right. And say, oh, yeah, no, I guess you're right. <laughs> the problem is it's very hard to be proactive about these types of things sometimes. And when our knee jerk reaction is to blame ourselves, we're actually not teaching. We're not learning the right lesson. And that's the whole point of this is what what are the lessons and reflections is that when we when our knee jerk reaction, when something doesn't go the way that we want it to is to say, well, I just suck. I just didn't want it hard enough. I should have pushed harder. I should have made more of an effort. I should have gotten my butt off the couch and actually gotten out the door. And like I said, there are some situations where, yes, we kind of do need to have a a certain level of, you know, drive and accountability to achieve the goals that we want. But when something doesn't go the way we plan to turn around and blame yourself, you're not learning the right lesson. And that's why I always encourage you to think of your training holistically Your training doesn't happen in a vacuum. Your life goes on around you and impacts the things that you're able to do in your training. So the next time that you have a period, maybe a single workout, maybe a period of training, maybe a year of training, maybe months of training, right? Where you're thinking, gee, 
things simply aren't going the way that I want them to, it feels like I'm working at my hardest and yet I'm not, not nearly where I uh, would expect to be. I'm not running as much as I want to. I'm not doing the kinds of workouts that I would want to. I'm not performing the way I would expect. Take a step back. Really look at what else is going on in your life and be honest with yourself. That's the lesson we need to learn is how to really evaluate things holistically and understand how they impact our training. If that's something that you care to do, okay? That's I'm not saying that like, oh, every single time that you have a bad run, you should step back. I mean, to be fair, yeah, I don't want you, here's the thing. I see a lot of personal blame slung around like mud all of the time. People are so quick to blame themselves. Oh, my run was slower than I expected to. There's some, I did something wrong, right? I, I suck, I did this, I did that. I'm like, well, it was 90 degrees outside. My race bombed. I can't believe I'm such a failure. I, I really should have pushed harder in the end. Um, your heart rate says you were maxed out. And also you told me that you missed two gels in a water stop. So you were definitely underfueled and dehydrated, right? So like use some common sense here, connect the dots. Understanding the big picture is going to make you a better runner in the long run. If your knee jerk reaction when something doesn't go the way that you want it to is to blame yourself, I really encourage you to turn that lens inwards from inwards to outwards instead. Look around, see what's actually going on in your life. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I have recently aged into the next next age group, 35, and I am hyper aware now more than ever of the importance of paying attention to my health and my well-being, not just for performance, but for, you know, like longevity and life and that sort of thing. And that's why I, I genuinely am excited to partner with Inside Tracker. I use Inside Tracker for my own blood work on a regular basis. I think it's such a valuable tool for us to understand what's actually happening inside our bodies from an athlete perspective, because let's face it, we're a little bit different than everybody else. And so for me to be able to keep track of things like my vitamin D and my iron and my B12 and all the other things that are more athlete focused is just so beneficial for not only my health and longevity as an athlete, but my health and longevity as a person. And now you can get 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store by visiting insidetracker.com forward slash running explained. If you are trying to take a peek under the hood, look inside you and understand what's actually happening inside your body, I cannot recommend Inside Tracker highly enough. It is such a great tool for me and for the athletes that I work with, being able to actually understand what our bodies need when they need it, there's nothing better. So save 20% off the entire Inside Tracker store by visiting insidetracker.com forward slash running explained. Which leads me to my next reflection slash lesson. This is a tough one. Here's the thing. My coaching philosophy 
really is built upon the fact that I think that you, me, all of us are capable of truly extraordinary things beyond our wildest dreams. Just may it take a little bit longer than we want in order to make those things happen. But as life is the way it is, the cruelty of life is such that you can't always get what you want. And and I think this is something that there's a lot of, I guess, I'm going to say money, right? In telling people, then hyping people up, right? I get it. Nobody wants to see inspirational graphics that are realistic, right? You can work as hard as you want to and you still might not achieve your goal, right? You can, you can do everything right and it still might not happen for you. It's not like the best selling point, but it's true because that's life and that sucks. And that's just a part of our sport is that there will be times when you do everything right and it still doesn't happen. Now, sometimes there's a reason and sometimes there's a reason that we can't necessarily understand. This is not, and this isn't like divine interventions. This is saying like, I'm telling you that our bodies are complicated. There are many, many reasons why things don't necessarily go the way we want them to. But as I say, there's no such thing as guaranteeing a result. We can't always get what we want. And this can be applied to, we can't always get what we want on the timeline that we want it to happen. As in, yes, you will likely be able to achieve that big giant goal. Just it's going to take longer than you expect it to, which I think is probably the first, it's not the first place I go. You know, when you're looking to go after a really aggressive goal, for most people, I'm thinking, yeah, you, you likely have the potential to achieve that goal, but it's probably not going to happen on the timeline that you want it to because progress is not linear. Life happens. It might take you a year. It might take you 10 years, right? There was recently uh, a profile in runner's world about a runner, a, a male marathoner who'd been chasing the Olympic trials trial qualifying standard for 10 years. And he finally achieved it at the age of 41. He chased this extremely high performance goal for 10 years, chipping away at it, missing it a lot. I think he missed it by like one second at one point. Okay. So it might take longer. You can't always get what you want in the timeline that you want it to happen on. But the other thing of this is that sometimes you're just not going to get what you want, period for whatever reason. And hey, like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm here to hype you up. I'm here to believe in yourself too, but I also want to be realistic about this. And I think I see this in my own writing as well. I recently turned 35. So woohoo, aged up into a new bracket. You know, this last year, year and a half has been really a struggle for me with my training. And I am starting to see that my performance phase of my own training life is starting to be time bounded. You know, and I think that when you're younger and I know for everybody who's older than me, you're thinking, my God, you're still young. Okay. Yes. But technically I have no doubt I will be setting PRs for years to come, but realistically my ability to set PRs, the time in which I have to make as much progress as possible is now limited. I will not be set it. I will not be running my fastest marathons 
into my 60s, right? Because of where I started, when I started, and the time I have left. The thing is, I have really big goals. I've told a couple people this. I'm going to say it now. Big, scary goals. Put it out there, right? I genuinely believe, here's the thing. You can't always get what you want. I genuinely believe that with the proper time and training, I could run a sub three-hour marathon. I do believe that of myself. It's about a half an hour faster than my current marathon PR, but I genuinely believe that I'm capable of doing this. But here's the thing, given the time and the ability to train properly, the time and the training properly, right? So that has to kind of all fall in line. That sometimes even when we have the time, we don't have the time to train properly. And that goes back to stress is stress, right? So, but there's two, I think, tracks we can take from something like, you know what, life's going to kick you in the teeth sometimes. You're not going to always get what you want, no matter how badly you want it or how hard you're working for it. One, we can take our pride and our pleasure in the journey itself, right? Because it's really not about outcomes. The outcomes are the cherry on top of the sundae, right? but we still get an entire ice cream sundae. (laughs) The process is, is part of the reward at the end of the day, right? So that is one thing. Two is that instead of being discouraged by this, I'm motivated by it because I do want to do the best I can with the time that I have available to me. One of the things that as I get older, you know, I don't want to look back and say and have have a bunch of regrets, right? Like buy the ticket, take the ride, do the thing. If it doesn't work out, okay, that's fine. Do this, do that. Do things that scare you. Take chances, not dangerous ones. Put yourself out there. If it doesn't work out, you'll still have tried. Okay? You but the it, you, you can't always get what you want, but you're never going to get anything if you don't try. So for those of you who've been working towards big goals for years, I'm not saying it's not going to happen. I'm saying keep going. Okay. Keep going. But we're not here on this earth to achieve specific time-based goals. We're here to grow as human beings. And the result is really is really the, like I said, the cherry, but you still get the Sunday by going through the process of trying to achieve that reward. Well, dose of realism with your coffee today. <laughs> All right. Another reflection. This is more of a, I'm going to say a coaching reflection, um, is that, and here's the thing. If you're listening to this and you say, philosophically, I disagree with what you're saying. I understand that. I'd love to have a coaching debate series on this podcast. Maybe we'll implement that for next year. A little speed goes a long way, especially when we're talking about endurance athletes. One of the things that I hear most when I'm working with runners is about their, how do I become faster? Shouldn't I be doing a fast running to become faster? I, you know, kind of an anxiety around not doing enough fast running. 
And when I say speed, I mean genuine speed work. I mean super super threshold work. So work that's done above your lactate threshold. So in that critical race pace, in for most people, this is going to be between one mile and 10K pace, right? So, you know, any any race pace, this is a big, a big bucket we're talking about. Really any race pace that's going to be faster than a one hour race pace. So one mile, 3K, 5K, 10K pace, especially if you're a sub, 10, uh, sub one hour 10K runner right? So work that is faster than that speed work. Typically, this is interval work. We talk about speed, we're typically talking about interval training, right? Shorter, higher intensity intervals at your 5k pace, VO2 max, velocity VO2 max, critical race pace, all these things. And of course, the individual proportion of intensity that you are doing in your training will be specific to your race goals and how you respond to different types of training. But you don't need a lot of it, okay? If you're doing speed work four times a week, honestly, even three times a week, that's a, that's it for performance goals, right? I'm not going to get into the whole high intensity thing for training um, intensity distribution for like health and performance and all of that. No, I'm talking about goals. And I'm talking specifically even for like 5K training, three Speed sessions a week is too much. Unless you are some demonstrably, extraordinarily high volume 5K specific athlete who is ripping a 13 to 14 minute 5K and you're, and you're running 11 sessions per week, okay? Yes, you need to do some fast running to get fast, but you need to do all of it to get fast. Typically when an athlete comes to me and says, I wanna get faster, how do I run fast? I, it's not necessarily about speed. Yes, there is some stuff we need to do with speed. Mostly about kind of fine-tuning some things that happen at higher intensities and faster paces with neuromuscular, economy, relaxed running. But typically when we're talking about how do I get faster, you're not talking about raw sprinting speed. The athlete is talking about how do I sustain a faster pace for the duration of the race that I am trying to run. What you're actually asking me is, how do I increase my endurance? How can I make it so that I can hold the speed I want to hold over a longer period of time? That's typically what we're talking about when we talk about how do I get faster? So although speed work is and can be important, depending on what you're training for in the phase of training that you're currently in. If you're trying to get faster at endurance distances, you need to increase your endurance. I know, trippy, right? And you also need to make sure that you're doing enough or the type of work that your body can recover from effectively. So for a lot of people, when we talk about how do, how do I get faster, especially if you've moved into a training volume where you can reasonably include speed work. For most athletes, you're gonna get benefits just by running more. And I typically don't include speed until we're at least 15 miles per week consistently, training for endurance races, right? And yes, 5K is an endurance race. Um, and I know other coaches have have their own philosophies on this, but most coaches I talk to are not gonna introduce structured speed work or workouts to athletes who are running less than 15 miles per week, some less than 20 miles per week, right? 
And again, I think it depends on what you're training for. If you're trying to run a half marathon and you're running 15 miles per week, we're we're only we're going to work on endurance first. If you're running a if you're training for a 5K and you're running 15 to 17 miles per week, yeah, some speed work would likely be appropriate. Um, but that's I'm getting off on a tangent. It's because although yes, the speed is important, the endurance is more important. And so you don't need to be doing three to four sessions of speed work a week. Even one, I mean, for most people, if we're including intensity in your training, it's going to be one speed, one moderate intensity, a long run, and then easy runs. That is a classic distribution of training intensity for most people for a reason. And you might not even have this speed. If you're training for a longer distance race, half or full marathon, you, your speed might just be strides, which is, are technically a drill you're focusing more on that sub-lactate threshold, right? So lactate threshold and below. So that's the thing. If you come to me and say, I want to get faster, what kind of speed work should I do? <laughs> and I say, wait a minute, you have to have the endurance to support the speed before you go throwing a whole bunch of speed at the wall. Because although speed is important, the endurance is the more important thing. Most runners have no issue running fast for short periods of time. They have issue holding fast uh, paces for longer periods of time. That's why I say a little speed goes a long way because you don't need to do a whole bunch of it to become a better, faster runner. You need to sprinkle it on top of the train that you're already doing to support all the other systems, the energy systems and things that you're trying to support that will allow you to run as fast as you are trying to run in those races. The best time to develop top end speed for your marathon is actually before you start marathon training. Because in the marathon, your focus is going to be on marathon-specific work, which is mostly moderate in intensity. And I do threshold training in in, uh, marathon training because um, your lactate threshold is one of the best predictors of your marathon performance. So yes, basically for marathon training, we're due almost, almost the entirety of our training cycle is going to be lactate threshold and below, one hour race pace and slower with some strides. So if you're really working on developing your top end speed, how fast can you possibly run over very short distances? And short distances in this case being maybe the one mile to the 5K. The time to do that is before your marathon. Before your, not before your marathon, before your marathon training cycle starts. And that is where the periodization of your training year comes in. You're like, wait a minute, what? What does that mean? Periodization is simply refers to how and why your training cycles are uh, just set up the way they are in the short and the long term. So yeah, little little fun fun tidbit. A little speed goes a long way. Um, speed also takes a relatively short time to develop and it decays a little bit faster. I know it's kind of weird to think. That's why you don't need to train for 20 weeks for a 5K. You would bur- you would burn out <laughs> halfway through trying to do that much intensity week over week without a break. You can sharpen your speed skills in a couple weeks. Now, the thing with speed, again, if you don't do it consistently, you do kind of lose a little bit of it. But that means you don't need to do a whole bunch of speed all the time. A little speed goes a long way. Okay, my next lesson reflection here. An object in motion stays in motion. This is a discourse on motivation. 
And I will freely acknowledge that it is much easier to continue doing something than to start doing something. For most of us, I, the biggest obstacle we face towards anything is simply getting started. Starting the training cycle, starting the run, getting out the door, right? The biggest obstacle we all tend to face, the biggest roadblock or speed bump is typically getting started creating the habit. It's really hard to create habits. Once you've created the habit, it's there. Once you've started your run, you're probably going to keep going. An object in motion stays in motion. It's much easier to continue doing something than it is to get started. What does this mean? It means that if you're expecting it to be easy to get started and to be motivated every single time you have to do X, Y, Z, If you're relying on motivation to get you out the door or to make you do your strength training, it's not enough. You might need more than that. And even sometimes when you do have the habit, you have to give yourself a little extra like, yep, nope, this needs to happen. So if you are watching somebody else and making judgments about their life and comparing yourself to them and saying, gee, it seems so effortless for them to make all these things happen. First of all, it's not because nothing is effortless for anybody. But it's also much easier to keep going once you've started. And I think that this is where, and I've talked about this on a couple episodes, and we talked about run streaks. And I I did a run streak for like two and a half years uh, a while back. And um, there's a reason I'm not doing it anymore, because I actually think run streaks are a really bad idea for a variety of reasons, uh, which I will not get into now. Not saying the fact that you are probably going to get sick or injured during them. You're going to train anyways, and that's a bad idea. Also, I think one of the biggest skills you can learn as a runner is when to rest. I'm not impressed by you running every day. I'm impressed by people who know when to take a break. But I think one of the biggest kind of anxieties and impetus, impeti, impetuses that exist around things like run streaks or a, a real um, fear of time off for any reason whatsoever, a rest day having to take time off because you're injured, going on vacation and not having access to a treadmill, et cetera, et cetera, is the fear that once we have slowed down, it'll be hard to get started again. And, and, and what I'm about to say is kind of the flip side of what I just said earlier is that the hardest part of getting going is getting started, is that once you're already started, it's really easy to keep going. And, I, and so if you need to take a day off or a week off or a month off for whatever reason, it's going to be easier to get going than you think it is. But it's also, I think, important to acknowledge if you're watching all these people effortlessly go throughout these training cycles and never seem to have any sort of issues getting out the door, um, one, they still have issues, but two, it's like they've created the habit, right? So once you get going, it's easier. And that's really where the consistency kind of comes in. And I've gotten a lot of questions about consistency. What does it mean to be consistent? And there's no number. It's like, oh, if you run three times a week, you're being consistent. For some people, three times a week is like as much as they have always, are going to run, period, right? So to say that, oh, three times a week is the minimum for consistency makes no sense because we're all different. For some people, running five times a week is going to be their being consistent. For some people, running twice a week is going to be them just staying consistent, right, during a period where they're not running that much. What do I mean by consistency? I mean doing things more often than not. That's real. I mean, in the, in the grand scheme of things, that's what I mean. 
doing things more often than not, if you can keep yourself in motion, even just a little bit, it's going to be much easier to continue. So if you can keep going a little, if you can stay, just stay in the game, it's going to be much easier to continue going, especially if one of your fears is stopping. So the consistency part of this is huge, right? So for people who are accustomed to taking months off after their training cycles, because they just, one, you've probably totally burned yourself out by doing something that was um, too high intensity or wasn't supported with enough nutrition or something in your training cycle. Um, It's that doing something is always going to be better than nothing in the consistency scheme. Now, if you're taking months off because you're just like half the year I run and half the year I ski, I just genuinely don't care. That's, That's not what I'm talking about. For people who are wanting to stay consistent, who are trying to stay consistent, who are trying to stay in motion, doing something more often than not is the key here. And yes, I will freely acknowledge that life gets in the way sometimes, right? I, I found it myself, right? You, you get out of the habit. An object that's stopped stays stopped. If you haven't run in a week, or a month, yeah, it's going to feel really hard to get out the door compared to if you're running consistently. It's less hard to get out the door every time until sometimes you're just doing it without even thinking about it. An object in motion stays in motion. And this can also extend to periods where you can't run, but you're still being consistent with something else. Maybe that's lifting. Maybe that's cross-training. Maybe that's doing something with fitness classes. Staying consistently active, building that into part of your life is going to be much easier to return to more structured training than going from zero to 100. Object in motion stays in motion. And this leads me to my final conclusion, my final lesson and reflection. And this is more of a... It's more of a, a personal, personal conversation. This is a quote uh, I heard, you know, from Des Linden, who's fabulous. But she said, um, she said something about a couple years ago, and it's just stuck with me ever since. And I've been really feeling it this year. This has just been not, not my year for performance. Being in shape is awesome. Getting into shape sucks. Now. If somebody of a Des Linden's caliber can acknowledge the reality of being in shape and being out of shape, right? What does this tell us about training? It means you cannot be in peak performance condition year round. That's not how it works. You cannot be in top shape all the time. If you were, it wouldn't be called your peak. It'd be called your base and you would have another peak to reach. But if you are struggling in a place where you feel like you are not where you want to be and you have memories of being much fitter in the past and thinking gee where I currently am this sucks it's okay to acknowledge that I don't think that we're doing any ourselves a disservice by acknowledging the reality of being in that spot uh I have found myself in this spot recently um it sucks It's really hard not to compare yourself with today with where you were previously and say, how did I do those things? Will I ever get back there? Yes, you will. Yes, I will. Yes, we can. We'll do it together. 
But the other thing is that it's also okay to not try to sugarcoat it and convince yourself that the feelings that you're feeling aren't valid. And I think it's, that's the point that I'm trying to make here. Um, I'm not saying that you should beat yourself up or like blame yourself, right? What did I just talk about at the beginning of the episode? Stop blaming yourself. That's not the point of this. It is okay to acknowledge that getting into shape is hard. It sucks. It's so much nicer when you feel like you're in amazing shape and everything feels effortless somehow, right? That's what we're trying to get to. If you are in workouts where your paces are slower than you want them to be because of where you currently are, if your volume of training is lower because of where you currently are, if you are thinking to yourself, oh my God, why is this pace so hard? I just ran, I ran this pace in that whole race last year. I can't believe I can barely hold that pace for such a short distance now. It's okay to, to feel those feelings and to acknowledge them, but I want you to use those feelings to drive you forward. This is not about giving up. This is about being really honest with yourself about this sucks and it's gonna be much better when we don't feel this way anymore. Um, getting into shape sucks because of how hard it is, but if it were easy, everybody would do it, right? Part of the reward is the fact that we earned that fitness. If you are coming back from a place where you are rebuilding your fitness from the ground up, or you are very, very far away from where you want to be or where you used to be, sometimes it can feel like you're looking up at a mountain that is insurmountable. And you think, how will I possibly be able to climb that? One step at a time, my friend, slowly but surely you will get there. You just have to be patient and you have to earn it. We all do. None of this is given to us. Well, some of us, I say us, some of you are born with very considerable amounts of natural talent, but you still have to work for the success that you have. You still have to work hard. You still have to sweat. You will still have long runs where you break down sobbing in the middle of them. You will still have workouts where you felt like absolute garbage and bailed halfway through and then went home and furiously texted your coach how upset you were about XYZ. You will have races that go spectacularly wrong. You will experience all of these things, but that should just be fire for trying to achieve the big goals, to keep going. Because the reward is being in shape, feeling awesome. There's nothing quite like it. Surreal. And some of us don't realize, I mean, so I went through a period of time a couple years ago when I was really fit and it was unfortunately right before COVID hit. And um, I didn't really realize how fit that I was. And I look back on that now and say, if I'd known how fit I was, I probably would have tried to take advantage of that in some different ways. So never let that opportunity slip through your fingers again. If you're really fit, own it. But there's nothing quite like being in a workout or being in a race and feeling invincible. And I think that's the most amazing thing that running does for us is that it teaches us that we are, we are capable of so much more than we ever imagined. We are gritty. We are tough. We are stubborn. But also that, that, that's not even a runner's high. 
it's a feeling of when everything's clicking, it honestly feels like you could do anything in the world, anything at all, and you'd be successful. Now, what usually happens is that your success is limited to the one race or workout that you're currently executing, but the feeling translates to being feeling like you could do anything in the world. You could, you could push it as far, you could push harder, you can run longer, you can run faster, you can go farther. It's, there's really nothing else in the world like this feeling. And I think that's really what we chase as runners is this, this expression of like anything is possible and I am capable. And once you've had a taste of that, it really does, it kind of is like you're chasing that for the rest of your life. The cool thing about running is you get to achieve it a bunch of times, hopefully. Appropriately training and building your fitness and taking recovery and doing it all over again. That's the ultimate reward. Now, here's the thing, going back to, see, I'm doing a callback. Can't always get what you want. How the situation in which that feeling occurs in may not be the situation where you're performing the way that you had hoped to pace-wise. So at the end of the day, it's not really about the pace itself. The pace is an expression that we hang our hat on, right? Because we can look at it and we can quantify it and say this number and that number. But the, it's the feeling, I think, that we're all really chasing that happens to result in a number. Because if you run and you enjoy yourself and you run and you feel strong and proud and capable and invincible, you're not going to care what the number is. And that's really what we should be chasing in our running for the rest of our lives. Whatever our goal is, maybe you have time-based goals, maybe you don't. I guarantee you run for more than just the numbers. You run because it makes you feel alive in a way that nothing else does. It makes you feel like the world opens up before you in a way that's almost magical. You feel very small and very large at the same time. There is something that running does that nothing else can do. And so when we're talking about running, we're really talking about life and finding our place in the world as people. And so why do I talk about all of these things and all these analogs for life and stress and training and hopes and dreams and all of this? It's because it's all related. It's all the same thing. It's all the same conversation. So I hope that in this next year of 2023, you have many runs and races where you feel simply invincible. That is my wish for you. Thank you guys for an absolutely amazing year. I cannot believe, (laughs) cannot believe it's over, but I have a feeling this next one is going to be one of the best ones yet. At least that's what I'm hoping. So cheers to 2023. Happy running. I can't wait to see you guys in January. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget, you can always find and follow me on Instagram at Running Explained. And if you're looking for a coach or a training plan, check me out. Visit my website, runningexplained.co. That's runningexplained.co. See you next time.
This content is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition.